Well, it's good to be with you. Amen. And uh, it's always good to be in church whenever we can. And of course, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, these meetings are. And uh, I know we'll get a bunch of church folks on Sunday, but I'm so glad to have you here tonight. Amen. So, uh, yeah, I am real thrilled after coming all these different times that we've come. Um, I've always been by myself. And in fact, uh, my wife went with me to uh, a meeting recently in uh, Fuquay, Barina. Some of you know where that is. And uh, I've, I've been there probably seven times, and now I finally can say it right. You know? <laughs> so that's a big thing. But anyhow, they all, they all were so excited to see my wife. Um, they said, you really do have a wife, you know. So, um, but I do really have kids, and I've, I've been here for uh, 10 or 11 years. That means uh, Drew would have been somewhere around uh, 12 or 13 years old when I started coming. So... Um, they were just little. You probably heard stories, you know, when they were younger. But this is my middle daughter, Drew, and uh, her husband, Paul. And um, they're just uh, the best folks in the world. Amen. Amen. Really are. So great. And so I had the privilege of marrying them in uh, May 23rd. And uh, it was a wonderful ceremony. Uh, interesting in Colorado. Um, we were probably about a month uh, longer of a spring into summer or winter into a real spring than we should have been. So they got married on a Thursday on the 23rd, and on Tuesday, the 22nd, we had eight inches of snow. And it was an outdoor wedding. So, um, you know, it was about 42 degrees outside, and um, uh, we just had all the, everybody, we waited and had everybody come into a warm reception area, and then at about 10 minutes after the hour, we started a little late, making sure everybody was there. We just said, okay, go get a seat. And some people had blankets, you know, and we all got in place, <coughs> and it started raining. When <coughs> the wedding party was walking down, and, uh, and then uh, we prayed, and right after we said amen, the rain stopped, thank the Lord. And uh, we were about five minutes away from having to turn off the uh, equipment because of the rain, and then, um, you know, it just went by a lot faster than you think sometimes. And before you know it, we didn't have a problem getting anybody to exit the little venue to go to the reception because they wanted to beeline it and get warm. Amen. But it was a really wonderful and fun time. And so we're thrilled with, uh, out of the three girls that we have, this is our, our first daughter that's married. And then they've already started their family. So we'll be grandparents in, in March. So... So we're so excited. Hey, Amen. So, uh, you know, we're, we're uh, I think everybody in the family's kind of caught between a boy and a girl, so maybe she'll just have uh, two of them, you know, one of each. And uh, so we'll just see. But anyhow, uh, it's, it's, it's great to have them with me for sure. So, amen. So I have to be careful with all my stories and all. When I was with my wife, you know, up in Fuquay, um, I was commenting about some things, and I don't know how we got off on talking a little bit about you know, just, just helping one another, and, and I was commenting on how much I appreciate her, you know, just uh, doing the cooking that she does, and how, you know, when I was a bachelor, you know, things didn't necessarily taste that good, but we may do, and then when she started cooking, it was like it was amazing, and I made this comment, I said, you know, and I've got a couple of meals that I do that help, and, and, and she looks, she says, what's the other one? <laughs> and it's like, you know, it's like, you're just not supposed to say that, you know? 
because I do know my one, but she was like, what's the other one? And so almost everything I said, she'd make a comment, and then I realized, wow, i got to be careful the way I say this, you know. So uh, we'll see how well I do here tonight with, with Drew being here. So, uh, oh, glory. God is good, isn't he? Wow, just um, wonderful to see the progressions of what God's wanting to do today in the earth, and I, I, I so believe we're at the end of all things. I believe the Lord is at hand, the coming of the Lord is at hand. Uh, of course, that's relevant, of course, to, to, to whatever time you think that means. It may be for, let's say it's 10 years from now, for some that may mean nothing, for others that may be a long time, but you certainly can see the writing on the wall that the Lord, uh, His coming is imminent. Amen. And you see, uh, if, if I don't mind saying it this way, you can just see Satan trying the best he can in this last day to take his place, but the church is still here. Amen. Amen. And as long as the church is here, thank God we're going to have a say-so. And uh, there will be a harvest reaped even here in America. You know, as a Christian nation that we started out in, obviously not perfect, but a Christian nation that we started out in, uh, I believe in the last days you're going to see a push for the things of God again, even in this nation. We think about other nations and they need the Lord, but America needs the Lord as well. Amen. So I think it's a perfect time uh, just to begin to share some of the things that I'm sharing because I really believe it's a part of what the Lord wants said in this last day. I I thought it very interesting. Back in the day, of course, um, my uh, history here goes back to, um, well, I was saved as a four-year-old little boy, brought up in a Baptist church. Thank God had had, uh, put in me how to witness and tell people about the Lord. In fact, just this afternoon, it was so fun to uh, just be talking with a couple and the, the lady got filled with the Holy Ghost. It was fun, and just right at the table there, speaking in other tongues, and uh, that was all, all very fun. And then the waitress uh, was having some physical problems, got healed, and made her sit right down, grabbed her hand, she got healed. It was just kind of fun just to, to be a witness, and thank God for some of those Baptist roots that I had. But um, from there, uh, I ended up in 1986 at Raymond Bible Training Center, um, and so... Uh, through a progression of things, by the time I had graduated, right there at 88, I was already into the Ramus Singers and Band, had been hired to sing with the group and travel and minister with them. That was a real privilege. Uh, got to see Brother Hagen all the time and got to minister with him and be a part of what was going on with, uh, with his ministry. And, uh, of course, uh, what a perfect and wonderful person to work for and learn from. Amen. He wasn't squirrely. He wasn't weird, you know. <laughs> Uh, he just had a real strong prophetic ministry, amen, that was uh, very upstanding and, and wonderful, and so I thank God for that. I appreciate the way that he treated finances uh, in our day today. I'm not so sure, you know, that uh, his message got across as it should, the way some people treat finances and treat the ministry. In fact, we got some oven mitts back there on sale for about $1,000 a piece, amen. And, uh, and so, no, we don't, praise the Lord. You know, but that's how some folks have kind of treated the things in ministry, and I really appreciated the way that he did it. And uh, so then, uh, after seven years of traveling with him, uh, the Lord had moved me to uh, the Prayer and Healing Center, which was actually still Brother Hagen's part of the ministry. His son basically took over the school at that particular time, um, and but Brother Hagen's ministry was Prayer and Healing School, and so I was privileged to do that for ten years. And you know, if you have the right heart and you do something for 10 years, sooner or later you'll stumble over something. And we did. We'd stumble 
I mean monthly, over something we'd never seen before and something we've never thought of before. Uh, and it kept opening our minds and our eyes to uh, bigger and greater, you know. And, 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 and I just have to say it because uh, it's very easy to cap your faith. The grace of God needs your imagination in order to thrive. Amen. And if you can't see it, you don't want to see it, you can't think bigger than where you're at, and you don't want to see bigger, you won't go any higher. And we cap our faith many times. And people just seem to live the rest of their life out with one experience. Yeah, I had an experience back in 1944. Praise the Lord, it was changed my life. Well, thank God you had one back then. But let's have one today. Let's have one tomorrow. Let's have one the next day. I mean, you get the most incredible steak you've ever had. I bet you go back. Amen. Amen. And for some reason, these kind of practical things haven't, haven't gotten into the church. They're in our life, the practicalities of things, that if you go someplace and you get fed real well and you pay for it and it's really wonderful, you'll go back. If you go someplace and you don't get fed real well and it gives you an upset stomach, and of course you paid for it, you think twice about going back. Practical things. But in the church, we haven't allowed that practicality to help tweak us to actually get better. Come on, religion, Christianity, if you want to include it into that, it's not supposed to be, but religion is the only thing you can do and perpetually do it year after year after year and not necessarily be successful and still keep the doors open. Every other business or establishment, if there's not a bottom line and you're not successfully giving people a product that satisfies them for what they pay for, come on, somebody. Those businesses close. They close all the time. Businesses open and close, open and close. The church has always been able to keep its door open whether it's actually produced anything or not. And because of that, we spin in circles many times and we don't ask ourselves the kind of questions that cause you to either go forward or stop altogether. And those questions are the kind of questions that when you ask yourself, are my prayers being answered? Am I hearing from God? Am I progressing in my Christianity? Are the things of God becoming more real and the things of the world becoming less real? Or are the things of the world becoming so real that I can't hardly find God anymore? Amen. Amen. And these are the kind of things that we're being presented with. I remember a story, Brother Hagin used to always tell this, whenever he would do a funeral for one of his family members, because of the closeness and the, and the heart tie that he had with those family members, at that death and at that funeral, he said the activity of the spiritual realm in his life was always increased. Where he'd see angels. He'd see Jesus. There'd be something significant that would happen in his life, in his ministry. And I believe right now before Jesus comes, there's an activity in the spiritual realm that has increased. And I believe it's time for all of us believers to, in a sense, pull ourselves back to some of the roots of our Christianity, which are rooted in God being real. Amen. Amen. I think for some of us that have done this for years and years and years and years and are not seeing the progress that we'd like, 
we have to admit that at times maybe we've worshipped the idea of a real God without experiencing the real God. Amen? Thank God we can start in faith in whatever we do, but faith is the substance of what you seek or what you hope. Amen? So thank God if we're in faith, we're going to experience God. And if we're not, something's wrong with our brand of Christianity because the blood of Jesus, praise the Lord, brought us into complete oneness or unity with the Father. Amen. Amen. And that unity is not just in word only that we have correct doctrine, we know our scriptures, and we can even give references. Praise the Lord. Amen. That might have been good for Sunday school and getting a badge. But for life, for getting prayers answered, for seeing a healing in your body, for healing, hearing the Lord speak to you and give you direction, being able to quote a scripture, having great doctrine doesn't necessarily mean anything. Amen. All you got to do is ask the Pharisees about that one. Jesus was pretty plain, wasn't he? When he said, you Pharisees, the Message Bible said, have your heads in your Bibles and you're studying to find me and yet I present myself to you and you have no idea who I am. Which would say what? It's possible to study the Bible and miss Jesus. Praise the Lord. I'll be cutting this short tonight. Amen. (laughs) And getting out of Dodge as soon as I can. I was only able to say that and have that be legit in one place. That was Dodge City, Kansas. And I said, praise the Lord, I'm going to be getting out of Dodge real quick. And I could say it because it was Dodge City. Oh, thank God. Come on, tonight, I believe the Lord wants to touch people's heart. There's all kinds of words stirring in my heart tonight. So I know the Lord wants to speak some things over individuals. I know the healing power of God. We've seen more healings this summer than I have in a very, very long time. There's an increase. I believe it has something to do with the hunger of people. I know the hunger in my own heart has increased you know, exponentially. And so as a result, there's a greater sense of the Lord on my own life. And it should be for all of us. So I know the Lord wants to do some wonderful things. Let me just share. We have a new book out for any of you that have uh, been here for the last 12 years or whatever. You know where I've come. This is a new one out called Identity Christ. It's just a real simple book, real easy read. But it's all about being made in the image and the likeness of God. Kind of going back to the very beginning to see that when God made man, it was a special creation. Everything else he made was not made in the image and not made in the likeness. All the angels, the seraphim, cherubim, they're not made in the image and likeness of God. They're spiritual beings, but they're not made in His image and in His likeness. Image and likeness means manifestation and representation. We are representations and manifestations of God Himself. Amen. It doesn't make us God, but in light of our position here on earth, As overseers of what God made, and He gave us dominion, we can do our job on the earth just like God can, and He made us so that we can. Being made in His image and likeness is also beneficial when it comes to a relationship, because it means He made us so much like Himself that our communication with Him can be just like our communication with one another. Amen. It can be that real. Praise the Lord. Even Adam and Eve... Cain and Abel, after being sinners, 
having sinned, were still able to retain enough of the knowledge of God that they knew His presence and they were able to hear His voice in complete sentences. Something that today, after 6,000 years later, and after 2,000 years after Jesus rose from the grave, something that people today seek as though this would be the pinnacle of their actual experience with God, to recognize His presence and hear His voice. And sinners could do that. Amen. So this is just $10. It's back there at the book table. There's some other things that I think you'll like as well. So tonight, let's just talk a little bit about a subject called where it all went wrong. Amen. Sounds kind of interesting, doesn't it? Why don't you go over to Genesis chapter 3. You really have to stretch your thinking and use your imagination when it comes to the things of God, especially when we're going to start a relationship with God, because we're talking about experiencing something from the unseen world. Now, the unseen world has been hidden for so long, and it's become normal for it to be unseen to the degree that people don't think that the unseen can actually become visible. But remember, Paul did say over 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, while we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things which are unseen. So you're actually supposed to be able to perceive the unseen. You're supposed to be able to look at what is unseen. So what is unseen doesn't remain unseen. It remains unseen to those that seem to be what? Ignorant that it exists or just oblivious to the idea that it's possible. But for those of us who know that it's there, it's a world that you can experience. Hallelujah. And of course, we know wonderful teaching from our righteousness and our redemption in Christ. We've been raised up to sit together in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. <clears throat> if you think about in relationship to Adam, Adam had authority over this world. But this new creation species has authority not only this world, but also the world of heaven. We've been raised up to sit in heavenly places. So we're sitting right there at the right hand of Almighty God, right there with Jesus. We are in Christ. Thank God. That means something. Amen. That's just not a nice place for you to be. That means something. And there's a lot that it means. And one of the things that it means is, is that we should all have what representation for the place of which we sit. Now think about getting in your vehicle when this meeting is over here in a little bit and all of a sudden you close your eyes so that you can't see and you start down the road. That's not going to end real well. <laughs> so we're seated in heavenly places, but if our spiritual eyes are closed, what would it say that maybe that's not going to end real well either? And then some would say, well, then we have the Word of God. And we do. But everything about the Word of God is to bring tangibility to the relationship that we have in Christ. Yeah. I'm going to say that again because this is where we've missed some of it. We've been okay just having the Bible. I heard one prominent teacher uh, uh, on the TV grab his Bible and say, if you haven't felt Jesus in a while, hug your Bible. That's Jesus. Well, that's not Jesus. 
And if you lead people and give them the idea that your Bible is Jesus, what you're attaching them to is the book when the book's trying to attach you to the person. Is the book inspired? Of course it's inspired. I don't want to read Reader's Digest. I want to read something that came out of the mouth of God. Amen. Because the same inspiration that was put in the Bible is the same inspiration that will move you to find God. The Bible has a very alluring effect. When you start reading of it, it begins to trap you in this place of, oh my God, I want that same experience. That's what it was meant to do. Peak your curiosity and then with accuracy move you into an experience with God. But the church took the experience out and just gave you the scriptures as your relationship. And it's not. Jesus said, my words are spirit and life so that you could have what? Spirit and life. Amen. Amen. And you realize it's a matter of semantics, the things that I'm saying, but these are very interesting semantics because it's the difference of someone having a reality in God where the prayers work versus someone saying everything right, like open sesame, but it just doesn't seem... Come on, we've had 40 years of a move of God they called the Word of Faith movement or the Word movement. Well, the emphasis on teaching of the Word of God was given. Well, coming out of a charismatic revival where people from all different denominations were getting filled with the Holy Ghost and experiencing God, don't you think that teaching should have helped them to experience more of God and even in a more accurate way? Well, then how come at the end of a 40-year teaching cycle, we have less people experiencing God with less healings and more miserable and more broke than they were before? Because it's very easy when you're teaching to let your teaching become that which actually inspires you instead of God himself. And we turn everything quickly into a doctrine and then people die in their doctrines. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Amen. He's not death. He's not stagnant. He's the resurrection and life. Amen. And that life produces life. Praise God. It's the greatest substances in the world called Zoe, eternal life, the very quality and nature of God himself invested inside of human beings until it literally changes your DNA, alters your genetic code. It's impossible for you to be sick. It's impossible for you to be poor. It's impossible for you to be oppressed because there's something alive inside of you called God's eternal life. Amen. Jesus didn't give you a little tiny bit. He said, I've come to give your life and life what? More abundant life. Amen. To swallow up, praise the Lord, every difficulty and every trouble in life. The abundance in God's life. The abundance in God's character. To produce results. Jesus said, don't go anywhere until you be endued with power from on high so that you will be witnesses. And that really translates into so that you can be evidence producers. Praise God, produce so much evidence. Hallelujah, the world has to stop and take notice that Jesus Christ is alive. Hallelujah. 
Our message produces life, praise God, right down to the least of us. Man has a way of looking at the, those in the pulpit and putting them up on a pedestal and those in the pew making them look like they can't do anything. But I'm telling you, in God's eyes, we're all sons and we're all daughters. Hallelujah. And all of us are called to do the work of the ministry. Lay hands upon the sick, cast out devils. Glory to God. Take up any deadly thing. will be no means hurt you. Get people filled with the Holy Ghost and speak in other tongues yourself. Amen. time for a resurrection a resurrection of the church praise God to arise hallelujah take its place to make a difference in the earth so we come back to a simple question where did it all go wrong well it's been wrong for a real long time Genesis chapter 3 verse 7 Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Coverings are important. Seems like they made themselves something to take the place of something that they had, that they lost. Which is very interesting because what it says to me is they exchanged the tangibility of the spiritual world for the tangibility of the flesh world. Now, I've said this before here, but it goes ahead along with this sermon, so I'll say it again. If I say a few things you've heard before, I mean, hey, after 11 years, that's all I know. You know what I mean? <laughs> No, the Lord's always showing us things. He's always stirring you up, praise the Lord, to go further and know more and see things in a different light. But you may share certain stories, you know, that have meaning in both, uh, you know, from, from one, one year to the next. But, you know, you think about it, all through Scripture, you can see the devil has always been interested in taking people's clothes off, and Jesus has always been interested in putting people's clothes back on. Now, as fun as that may seem, uh, you know, and maybe demented as it may seem, however you want to look at it, the, the, the thought is actually true. What was the devil interested here in doing? Getting rid of the glory. Why? Because he had the glory at one time. It was his. It did give him success. It gave him a feeling of superiority, even to the place where he felt so amazing in the anointing that he actually began to equate what he felt with his own ability, which it's not. And he began to think that he could ascend above God. And he lost the anointing. So he's a big loser, whichever way you're looking at, he's a big loser. So Satan knows how to lose the anointing. And he recognizes once he fell like lightning to the earth and hit the ball, the planet in a big ball of dust, he recognized the difference between I had something and now I don't. What it meant when I had it and walked back and forth in the fire of God's stones in heaven beautified by God's presence, and now in this horrible uh, uh, situation that he finds himself, he recognized it's better to have the anointing. So when he didn't have it and he saw two created beings that did, 
What is he after? He's after that anointing because he recognizes the power of that anointing. Whoever wields that sword has the upper hand. And since he's real good at losing it, he knew just what was necessary. You remember the madman of Gadara? Did he have clothes on? No, he was naked in the tombs and he was cutting himself. When Jesus finally cast those devils out, that man looked at at himself and looked at Jesus and basically said, uh, how long have I been like this? Jesus said, a long time. Has has anybody seen me? Ah, the whole town. (laughs) And what's the first thing that he did? He put his clothes back on. Amen. Amen. Come on, Paul recognized that he had physical clothes on, but he was groaning about having a greater sense and an awareness of his spiritual clothes. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul said, I'm groaning, not that I would be unclothed, take these clothes off. No, Paul, don't do that. He said, but that I would be further clothed. In other words, I would be so aware of God's clothing, his glory, it means that my mortality would be immersed into the sea of immortality, one translation said. In other words, I want to be dunked. You know, if I went to Dairy Queen, which I wouldn't because it's not real ice cream. And and my father-in-law wouldn't be really happy if I went to Dairy Queen because he's a dairyman, okay? So he, you know, it's got to be right. It's got to be real. But if I did go there and I got a cone, I would make sure that I got what kind of a cone? A dipped cone. I want to be dipped. I want some chocolate on it. You know, I don't just want vanilla cone. I want it dipped. And that's what Paul wanted. He wanted his mortality that death-doomed part of him that came at the fall, he wanted that mortality, that part of him that's attached to the world system that easily gets pulled into a consciousness of the world, gets distracted. So the average adult in the United States can only stay focused for a period of six to eight. You thought I was going to say minutes, but it's actually seconds. I, I, I want to help you to understand what this means. 1,001, 1,002, 1,003, 1,005, 1,006, huh? 1,001, 1,002, 1,003, Drink it willingly and just do the best that we can do in this world. Really. But that's true. And the greatest majority of people that love God in their hearts don't even question that there's another way for it to work. There's so much evidence in the world that shows you that the life we lead in the flesh is the only life there is. The more regular we see and experience God's presence, the more it's possible that in our minds and our consciousness we live with the idea that anything's possible. The less we see, the more it's just religion, the more we settle down. Why fight against it? Just go with it. Settle down, feel comfortable, 
by saying life's not that bad. Come on, you know how folks are. It's just the way of human nature. We'll put up with all kinds of bad things as long as every once in a while something good happens that makes you feel just a little bit better about your life. Even though the majority of it is bad. That's not a son of God. Son of God was made to conquer. Son of God was made with dominion. Son of God wasn't made to be put underneath anything. No one's thumb. Son of God was made to rule and reign in Christ. Hallelujah. Son of God was meant, praise the Lord, to be able to use the spiritual world to get you in and out of every problem there is in life. Hallelujah. No matter what comes down the pike, there is eternal life inside your soul. And we get good and used to being able to turn loose that power. Jesus said, out of your bellies will flow rivers of living water. My God, if somebody could get a drop out today, just squeeze real hard, we'd be happy. But there's rivers. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, the closer we're getting to the end, the more you'll see heaven and earth start to come together. It's just becoming easier and easier and easier to start releasing the power on purpose. Praise the Lord. I mean, you get around people and all of a sudden your hands start just lighting up with the presence of God. You can feel God's presence. Voices and the words come to you. Praise the Lord. Young people are filled with this fire now. Come on, I can still run. I'm still quick. I ain't dead yet, for crying out loud. I can still lift weights. I can still help out. I can still dig a hole if I have to. What are you saying that for? Because, my God, just because the young folks are starting to get it, they ain't going to leave me behind. Amen. But I'm thrilled because they are getting it. Their hearts are open for this. Jerome Paul, kind of, kind of, I don't know if you can say it this way, but they friends with a whole bunch of young folks just like them that, out there in Colorado. I did that uh, Bible study back then. We're going to start it back up next week. But we did it all last year. And, of course, they were going to Karis, and, and then we were doing a little Bible study with them, just kind of sharing the kind of things that we are tonight. And, uh, and these kids were just so full. Yeah, that's, that's all the, those are all the people that want money. And they keep on calling. You can't get rid of them. And now it even says fraud alert on it and stuff like that. It's like, I just want to, I want to, I want to answer it, but I don't want to answer it. I want to answer it and say, stop calling me. But this group of young people, you know, they're just on fire for God and uh, it's just nothing for them to walk into a building. And the Holy Ghost says, I remember Paul, he made comment about that one time he walked into one of the stores and said, there'll be three people healed before you leave. Come on. Well, how come the Lord done said that to Paul and he hadn't said that to me? Well, maybe because he knew if he said it to you, he wouldn't do anything about it anyhow. And the real answer is all about Awareness. Awareness. Now, you know, husbands, you're going to have to just, just just, lay down your pride right now and just admit that you're going to have to say yes to what I'm getting ready to say here. But have any of you husbands ever been talked to by your wife and you weren't paying attention and she had to stop and say, are you even listening to me? Has any of that ever, ever happened? See, I, that's why I said... That's why I say you're going to have to lay down your pride right now because you know it happens to all of us. Now, it's never happened to me, but it does happen. 
So my wife, that's a regular thing with me because, you know, my mind can be, you know, out there sometimes. Uh, my sister used to say about me, Jimmy's, you know, he's so heavenly minded, he's no earthly good. You know, that's what she would say. So sometimes my mind is out there thinking about all kinds of things. I mean, I talked to my wife the other day. I said, honey, come on over here. Sit right next to me. She said, what for? I said, I- I'm dreaming about our future. Come dream with me. She said, you're doing what? I said, I'm, I'm dreaming about our future. Come dream with me. She said, oh, my God, I got so many things to do besides dream. <laughs> Amen. So how many times did that ever happen? Now, was she speaking? Yes. Were you hearing? Kind of hearing, but kind of not hearing. That describes the majority of us for the majority of our life with God. Is he speaking? Yes. We're kind of hearing, but kind of not hearing. And as a result of it, it has, has to do with the end product or result. So what would happen if you were just a little bit more alert? I mean, think about it. Because I don't want my wife to say something like, are you listening to me? When I'm around her, I'm a little bit more what? Aware of her sounds. There's been times she said something. I said, were you speaking to me, hon? She said, no, I wasn't talking to you. Well, how come you would ask that? Because easily I could have missed something. And I didn't want to miss something. Think if we acted like that with Jesus. Lord, you say something to me? (coughs) Now, what you won't hear him say is, no, I wasn't talking to you. (laughs) You won't hear him say that because he is. He's talking. And he's speaking, praise the Lord, and he's trying to get our attention. Where did all this go wrong? Think, think back now about this. They exchanged the tangibility of the spiritual for the tangibility of the flesh. So in other words, at the outset of this exchange, were they still in some sense of a connection with God? Yes. Were they sinners in the garden? Yes. Did they recognize his presence? Yeah. Adam hid right here like this thinking he doesn't see me. He doesn't see me. You know, I remember the first time that I, you know, that Chloe, you know, when she was little and she still to this day loves to play. What game does she love to play the most? Hide and go seek. She still loves to play that. When she was little, she used to love that. And I remember, you know, one of the first times we played up in the game room. And, and I said, okay, you're going to go high. She said, okay, I'm going to go high. And I said, I'll count to 20. And she said, okay, count to 20. And I said, one, two, three. And I could tell she didn't leave because I didn't hear any pitter-patter of the feet. And when I got to 20, I said, okay, here I come. And there she stood right there with her eyes closed. And I said, well, there you are. She said, you can't see me. (laughs) And I said, I can too. You're right there. She said, you can't see me. And I said, why do you think I can't see you? She said, because I can't see you. She thought she was invisible because she closed her eyes. Come on, put some of these thoughts together. Adam and Eve, they're in the garden. They recognize God's presence, but they're sinners. They hear the voice of God in complete sentences. We're happy if we get the word go. I mean, after 30 hours of prayer, what are you going to do? Well, the Lord told me to go. I could have saved you 30 hours of prayer because he already told you in the Bible, go into all the world. (laughs) You know, that's how, that's how, in a sense, how we've dumbed it down to where we're, we're thrilled with grunts. You know what I mean? With, 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 did you say something? Instead of hearing the sound of the Lord. See, this is becoming normal now. Even in the garden, though, they retained that knowledge. But they soon had to leave, right? 
When God drove them out, it took God driving them out for them to get out. What do you mean by that? The word drive out means with force that cannot be withstood. So there are tracks in the sand that we could probably see someday in heaven if you wanted to replay it, where they're saying, no, no, not out of the garden. And God says, you have to, and he drives them out. The moment they get out of the garden, what's the first thing that they said, which is something that we say very often? They look at each other and they say, now, what are we going to, huh? Which is where the world of the to-do list started. Think about that. Just for a moment. That's where it all started. The world where you have to do to fend for yourself. Did man ever have to do that in the garden? No. Isn't it interesting that hanging out with Jesus was a full-time job for men, for man when he was created? In other words, it was all he wanted to do, which means God has to be so amazing that to hang out with him constantly and then actually get up the next day and be so thrilled to be able to hang out with him constantly and then get up the next day and be able to... You know, we're going to be doing this for eons and eons and eons. Billions and billions and billions of years. I sure hope he's pretty fun. I mean, after, you know, two weeks, if you're kind of sad about, you know, the the kind of situation up there in heaven, you only got one other option, and it's not good. (laughs) Right? So the beautiful part about this is God, as a created being, as as the being of creation, is so beyond our wildest imagination that um, he'll never get old. And it'll be constantly new and refreshing to all of us. Just in case, for some reason, you think you have to do something to be able to relax, let God be real to you, will be the joy of your life. More fun, more excitement than you could ever have in a lifetime. But that's where things got off. Look how quickly man adjusted to his new world. You've heard me say some of these things before, but you know God told man that he was going to have pain and he was going to sweat. He didn't know what sweat was. He didn't know what pain was. When you have pain, what do you usually say? What's the word? Ow or ouch. That word wasn't created yet. Think about the first time that Eve had pain ran into something. She went, ow. Adam said, what'd you say that for? Oh, because it, it, it hurt. What hurt? My foot hurt. How'd your foot hurt? I stubbed it right there on that rock. And you said, ow? Yeah. Yeah, I said, ow. And what does hurt mean? Well, I can't describe it to you, but it's not good. Well, that still doesn't compute to Adam because at that particular point, he has not stubbed his foot on the rock yet. So he walks over there and just kind of goes like this at the right and then starts jumping around like a, you know, like a nincompoop, going, ow, 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 it hurts, it hurts. And, of course, Eve is saying, well, that's exactly what I said because now all of a sudden it becomes real to him that what pain is something that hurts and what comes out of your mouth is ow. Now, this is something we've perfected. We actually say ow before we actually have something happen. Have you ever had get somebody get ready to take a shot like a doctor going to take a shot and you're already grabbing yourself going ow, ow. See, you're already anticipating what? Pain. 
If you never had it before, you'd just sit there like this. He'd stick it and he'd go, ah! <laughs> because you never had it. But once you have it, then you anticipate what you're going to feel again because it's all about the world of it's going to happen again and again and again and again. And as you get older, it hurts more and more and more. Someone has to help you read because now you can't adjust. And then you get up and say, oh, my God, my back is hurting. And someone says, well, you're getting old. That's right. I guess I'm getting old. Turn 50, so those things happen, you know. What do you think Methuselah would have said about that? Huh? He's hurting so bad at 50, he can't hardly get out of bed. And someone comes along and says, thus saith the Lord, thou shalt live 969 years. And he does his math and comes up with, I'm going to have to endure this for another 919. Somebody shoot me. Right? And what is it? It's called learned behavior. We learn that this is what you're to expect. There's a lump. And someone all of a sudden thinks, well, that might not be good. So then we create a word for it called cancer. And then during the month of October, we highlight cancer in all our best interests to, to sympathize with anyone that's had it and to let them know we love them and care for them. But at the same time we're doing that, we're highlighting a disease with a color. And when you highlight it with a color or you highlight it with a name, you attach yourself more to it. And now because we're attached more to it in the month of October, we have more cancer than we had in the month of September. Because we're making it more real. Is it? Well, Jesus actually thinks he destroyed it. He thinks he beat it. He thinks he took it. He thinks he bore it. And if he healed us of all cancer, how is there any cancer cells left to attach themselves to a human body unless being made in the image and likeness of God, we can actually perpetuate lies through our belief. In the realm of God, it's called unbelief. But in the world of sickness and disease, it's called belief. We believe in it, we have it. We believe in it, we have it. My God, the flu season's coming around. Have you taken your flu shot? The next thing you know, you you got problems there. Years ago, we had inferior helmets. Playing football, inferior helmets. They weren't even close to as good as they have now. They've got all kinds. I wouldn't want to wear the helmet they got now. It makes you look like you're in a spaceship, you know. <laughs> you know, it's not a nice helmet that fits your head. It makes your head about this big. But they're doing this because of concussions. In our day, we actually had drills where we lined up a guy over there and a guy here. And on the whistle, boom, boom. Boom! And you put your head down and ran right into another. And just like a bunch of uh, a big horn sheep, you butted heads and you had a helmet on. And every once in a while, you were a small guy and got the big guy over there. And, and, and it's called he rung your bell. That means you got up and you weren't necessarily seeing everything just right. And sometimes they take you by. I remember one play. I ran. I hit this guy so hard or he hit me so hard. I went to the other bench. 
And my running back came over and got me and grabbed me and pulled me back over to the huddle. I had my bell rung for a second there. Things were spinning and I wasn't sure where I was, but then I got it back. You know what they didn't do? They didn't put me in a tent and send me to the hospital and do x-rays for a concussion. And we didn't have concussions. We didn't go to bed at night with my parents worried, sick, that I might not, I might not open my eyes that night. So watch him. Because it wasn't known that you have concussions. And since it wasn't a thing, it wasn't a thing. It's only a thing if you believe the thing is a possibility to be a thing. And that didn't sound good. But I know it got the point across. Did I spit on you? It was really close. I had a guy up in Boone, North Carolina, and he left the church after my ministry. Really sad. I really like to talk to that guy. But he left the church because I thumped a few people on the forehead and they got healed. And he thought it was theatrical. Wish I could have thumped him on the forehead. <laughs> but if I could, I'd like to talk to him and say, I didn't spit on him. Jesus did that. Could have made him walk, go wash in a puddle. Elisha did that, or Elijah did. The things us preachers have to do to entertain you guys so you get it. Well, for just a few moments, the reason why we're talking about this, and we'll end here real quickly, is because this is how fabricated things have become that we actually buy in as though it's real. And us buying into it and believing it is what perpetuates it. Come on, if you could get everybody to wear crimson red every month of the year, and it reminds everybody because we're all wearing it of the precious blood of Jesus Christ, don't you know that sickness and disease would be vanished off the face of this earth? People would be healed in groves. They'd come out of hospitals left and right, and no one would even have to pray for them. It would just become the consciousness of mankind that Jesus and His shed blood paid for it all. Paid for it all. Hallelujah. What are we trying to do tonight? Give you another option. And take away all of the options that you've been using that aren't good. Preacher, I don't know if I like you. Well, I understand. I wouldn't like me either. That's my job. (laughs) To make you feel uncomfortable. To take away your options. Amen. To leave you with one thing. And you won't like it. But that is either you receive Jesus... And go his direction, or you willfully know that you've chosen to go the opposite direction. Say, why would you be so mean to leave us like, because at least it's absolute. If you go the wrong direction, you can turn around and go the right direction. If there's 30 directions, you don't know which way to go at all. Come on, for just a second, look at this for just a moment here, because uh, in the garden... Adam and Eve hid themselves in the presence of the Lord God among the trees. Let me ask you a simple question. Was that before sin or after sin? 
So this is a post-sin condition where the Lord goes to find Adam. Adam, where are you? That's a post-sin condition. What do you mean? The last thing Jesus left us with is, Lo, I'll be with you always, even unto the end of the age. What is he trying to tell us? Well, when God created Adam and Eve, they were inseparable. He's brought us back to that place where we are inseparable with him. And what does it mean but that we can have the kind of fellowship that Adam and Eve had in the garden, which means there's tangibility. When Adam and Eve opened their eyes, they were looking at God. Their spiritual senses were made the way God made them. Listen, the soul is that place in the middle that receives information and then becomes a a weight of information that persuades you to either move with the flesh or move with the spirit. In the beginning of things, man didn't even know he had a body. It wasn't until he sinned, until the body world became real or until the body became the thorn that would demand attention. As long as the body was completely healed, the attention was not pulling on the spirit for you to be body conscious. But now we live body conscious. We've got slogans that say, whatever feels good, do it, which is nothing more than feeding into the flesh world and helping us to perpetuate what? That our souls are connected to our bodies and the world instead of our soul be connected to God and your spirit. Your spirit and your connection to God is what gave information to your mind. That's the reason why Adam and Eve could sin and their minds still retain the information that came from their spiritual connection before they sinned, so they were still able to connect with God as though they had never sinned. And it was real enough to them that they put this into their boys who must have been teenagers to handle the responsibility of the sheep and of the garden that some 14 or 15 years of being in the world, those boys still retain enough information in their soul, having not experienced the garden, that they were able to connect with God in complete sentences and recognize His presence. Come on, think about this. And the whole thing flip-flops on you being born again. Our minds have been polluted with this world and the way of this world so long that you get saved and you're now seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He becomes your eternal Father. Amen. The Holy Ghost comes to step inside your life and live in you and we retain still the knowledge of sinful flesh to the point where the sinful world becomes so real to us it's easy to what? Continue to just walk in it. And that again is where it went wrong. The idea that we're getting people saved through the doorway of still keeping you bound to the flesh and the world. Turn your Bibles over real quickly to John chapter 14 as we just draw some of this to a close. Praise the Lord. Amen. Jesus said in the Message Bible, verse 18 to 20, I will not leave you orphaned. I'm coming back. In just a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you're going to see me because I am alive and you're about to come alive. You're about to come alive means 
You're about to be born again of the Spirit, by the Spirit. For what purpose? (laughs) So that you can develop a spiritual connection with the Father. Amen. How real is that born-again experience supposed to end up being? As real to God as your fleshly birth is to your flesh. So as well as we've highlighted our flesh to see one another and use our perceptions to hear, see, feel, taste, touch, smell one another, and we do it all the time, we're real good at it, We can tell when someone's there. Amen. Sometimes you can smell that they've been there and they're not there anymore. Come on. You can hear somebody walk in. They're trying to sneak up on you, but you still hear them. Your your physical senses are heightened to the point where you can actually function in this world to a certain degree. But when you're born again, your spiritual senses come alive because your spirit comes alive and your spirit is more real than your flesh. I'll say it again. Your spirit is more real to God than your flesh is to the world. We've just gotten used to this world. That's why it's hard to take this information in. Why are you preaching this? The more aware you become of the tangibility of God, the more tangible God will become to you. The more your heart and your soul is open to the idea that God's voice should be normal and regular and loud and clear every day, the more loud and clear and regular it shall become. The more you'll sense His presence like you did the first time you were born again. Think about the testimonies that have come to me from everywhere around the country and around the world. When I started preaching stuff like this, people will come and take me aside. They don't want anybody else to hear it because they're still in that church. I'll say, Brother Jim, when I got saved, I didn't get saved in a church. I said, okay. And I know exactly where this is going because it's always the exact same story. I didn't get saved in a church. And God was so real to me. I mean, the hair in the back of my neck would stand up and he'd come into my room and he'd begin to speak things to me. And I've got journals of things that I wrote down where God was speaking to me. And as far as healing is concerned, I didn't even have to try to get healed. My body was just healed. Prayers were answered. It was so easy. And I said, and what happened? Because it's always the same. Well, people found out about me and they knew I was a Christian. So they told me I had to go to a church. I said, and then what happened? Well, I went to this church, and I said, how long did it take until those experiences stopped? And they said, well, it's about two to three, well, sometimes four weeks, anywhere from two to four weeks of going to a place where they were supposed to go, where everybody met. But when they were by themselves, it was real. And after going to this place, it sucked the life out of them, and they became like everybody else. Another chapter and another verse. Lost the tangibility of God. See, if somebody didn't know any better from what we're saying, you say, well, my God, he's against church. Well, my goodness, that would be being against all of us. We are the church. Certainly not against church, not one bit. Just got to make sure you're in one. You're not in a business. You're not in a building. It's more concerned about necks and nickels. 
Come on, I do this on a regular basis. I, I know. I'm sitting out there with the pastor, and I hear somebody come up there, and I know exactly what they told him. 221 people were here. $4,000 came in. It's like, well, why don't you wait till Monday morning to get that? We're trying to enjoy ourselves with Jesus, but it's just so regular, you know. Necks and nickels. Got to keep them coming. Got to keep them paying. But are they getting anything? Are they getting answers? Is God real? Or do they have doctrine? We can be the best teachers in the whole world, and our congregation could have 10,000 people, and it'd be an utter failure in the eyes of the Lord. Because God don't look at numbers. He's not impressed with any of that. Amen? Amen. What he looks at is hearts that are connected. Spirits that are alive. Spirits that are well taught. Spirits that are connected. Spirits that are listening. And spirits that get answers to prayers. Spirits that are able to ward off devils. Spirits that are enlightened to see. That's what he's looking at. And if no one's getting answers and there's 10,000 people, my God, that's, you know, that's a $10,000 failure. See, these are some of the things that people think about and just don't articulate. Amen? And we don't care about popularity. We're not trying to be mean about anything. But saying some of this is necessary, very necessary, especially as a traveling minister. Why? Because we're coming here to stir you up. Come on, my gift is not decency. You've already found that out by now. My gift is urgency. That's why we have pastors to clean up everything. They're the decency. Amen. You need somebody to put you in bed at night and say some nice things to you. But you also need the traveling guy to come here and stir you up, light a fire underneath you, show you that everything is not like you think it seems. All you need is just a couple in this room to catch a hold of what's being said that'll go home that night and say, God, oh God, tonight I relinquish this religion that's bound me to my flesh and I open my heart and my mind to the idea that you're standing right in front of me. Your angels are right here encamped around above me and there's a destiny on my life and I'm not living another day without finding it. Dare that there be one that would speak like that to God. Open up their heart like that to God. The voice of God will come to your ear. The presence of God will come to your heart. Prayers will be answered. We've majored on faith without God. How do you do that? It becomes mechanics without God. Procedure, seven steps to the three reasons why you need this and that in order to get your prayer answered. It doesn't work that way. Everything about the Bible is to connect you to God and in your connection, God is real. Faith is not really something you have to study as much as it is the response to the person that has literally flipped your lid and caused your life to be turned upside down. You don't question his integrity because you know him. When you know him out of a book, that's when you waver like the waves tossed in the sea. 
When you know him as a person, you run through a troop and you jump over a wall. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Turn your Bibles real quickly as a last scripture. Two scriptures here, Hebrews chapter 5. Listen to this in the Passion Translation. I'm so passionate about it. You didn't catch that. That's all right. (laughs) Hebrews 5, verse 11. Whoo, glory. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, someone's heart in here is exploding with what we're saying. I don't know if we're saying it the best we can say it. If it could be said a whole lot better, that's never been my intention. Amen. To be the best order, I try the best I can. My intention is to connect people with God until they get results. Amen. Until they have change in their life. Hallelujah. One thing I'm going to do, praise the Lord, when I'm a very wealthy person someday soon, is I'm going to come here to this church and I'm going to take this out. If I, if I was a dog chained to this right now, I would be here like this all wrapped up and I wouldn't be able to move. The pa- uh-huh, well, the passage translation says of Hebrews chapter 5 verse 11, it says, we have much to say about this topic. We do. Although it is difficult to explain because you have become, well, this is where it gets really, really kind of intense here. It says, because you have become too dull and sluggish to understand. Lord, help us if that's us. And to some degree, we all in this room are there. But that's changing. That's changing. Amen. Amen. I said that's changing. For you should already be professors instructing others by now, but instead you need to be taught from the the beginning the basics of God's prophetic oracles. You're like children still needing milk and not yet ready to digest solid food. For every spiritual infant who lives on milk is not yet pierced by the revelation of righteousness. The King James says, skilled in the word of righteousness. I like that. It means God wants us to be skilled. Come on, think. Every other thing in life that you put your hand to, whether it's your dream or whether it's not. I love our oldest daughter, Allie. You know, she's an artist. And, and you know, she played with, with her friends when she was little. Drew knows what her friends were because she played with them too. They were all these little tiny, you know, plastic, uh, perfectly molded uh, minis and Mickeys and Plutos and, and, and Pooh Bear and Tiggers and... and, and uh, she got a whole bunch of other things and goofies and all those little tiny... And she'd line them up, you know, and play with her friends. Well, she's just a fabulous artist. And she got hired in June as an animator with Disney. Wow. And so she's making... It's an internship, and it got extended until next June. We certainly hope, of course, that'll, that'll lead into a, a complete job. She's a 3D modeler. And, uh, in fact, one of her, you know, the Aladdins, uh, the parrot in Aladdin, you know, that it's not a very good parrot. But anyhow, uh, that parrot in Aladdin, she went ahead and modeled it, and it'll be in the stores come January 1st. You know, so some really fun things, and she just loves it. But whether you love what you do or you don't, 
you can still become good at it with faithful exercise of responsibility. Day after day, you start getting good. Muscle memory. Lucy putting the chocolates into the on the conveyor belt and she's chucking them and stuffing them in her and eating them and putting them in her because she's not good yet at doing that, you know. But if she would have had a whole week of practice, she could have talked with Ethel and been able to put them all in the perfect place. Some of you, I'm taking you back along. You're shaking your head. You're old enough to know what I'm talking about. And you saw that particular episode, I'm sure. My point is we get good at things in the flesh because we put ourselves to work to get good. We put our attention on them. We focus on them. We get muscle memory. Why aren't we good at things in the spirit? We've been led to believe that your Christianity has to do with being at a building at 10.30 in the morning on a Sunday. Come on, this lady with tendonitis gets instantly healed in my meeting and on her way out to the door, we meet as she went around a bunch of chairs that way and I came that way. We met right there by the door and she looks at me and I'm always asking questions. So I said, well, did you get anything tonight? And she said, yes, I did. I'm the one that got healed from that tendonitis. And then she looks at me, she says, but I, I do have a question. I said, what's your question? She said, as I put my coat on and started to leave, all of it came back. She said, I can feel it right now on my elbow. Do you know why? And before I actually thought of what I was going to say, I heard myself say, yes, of course, I do know why. And she said, why? And then I wanted to know too. (laughs) So these, these words came out of my mouth and I was really interested in finding out why. And uh, I said, it's because of this door right here. And then really quickly, my lightning, you know, fast mind said, oh my God, Jim, is that the best you could do because of a door? So I still didn't have a clue what I was saying. And I said, because of this door. And she said, the door. And I said, yes, the door. And then on the inside, I'm saying, and yeah, what about the door? (laughs) And then I heard these words come out of my mouth. It's strange how these things can happen at times, but it does. I heard these words come out of my mouth. The reason why your pain is left is because you're almost at the door where you're going to leave this building and go back into your other life that's attached to the flesh and the world. The one where pain and and tendonitis and sickness and disease lives and you have no problem expecting it to happen. I thought, that was good. Praise the Lord. Somebody write that down. And that woman looked at me, she said, oh my God, and she started laughing. I said, what are you laughing at? She said, it just left again. I said, do I have to? And she said, no, you don't have to say another word. I got it. In other words, the person I am in here, praise the Lord, healed and healthy. The moment I walk out, I'm the same person, praise the Lord. I don't change from one building to the next. But we've got people in the idea. See, that's where you get it when you come at 10.30. No, my God, you get it 24-7 because you're in Him and He's in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Listen to what this says as it finishes. It goes on to say, For every spiritual infant who lives on milk is not pierced by the revelation of righteousness, but solid food is for the mature. Listen to this whose spiritual senses perceive heavenly matters. Is that up on the board? Oh, no, it's not. Yeah, I saw you guys looking up there. 
whose spiritual senses perceive heavenly matters. What is your destiny? To see into that world, feel that world, hear that world, live in that world. Now you understand when Paul said, live in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit. What was he talking about? Tip the scale of what's real to you. Go from the flesh being so real and the spiritual world being literally unknown like a teeter-totter, flip it until spiritual things are so real and the flesh is very non-real. In order to do this, folks, you have to change your allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. Amen. And if the United States of America is a land where it flows with milk and honey and there's blessings for all, then pledge your allegiance to it. But if it happened to be a land of nothing but corruption and violence and, and discord, a land where people die, a land where people starve, well, then pledge your allegiance to some other land. Difficult to do when we're caught between. Prophet Elijah says, choose. Choose God. Choose them them devils over there. But choose. Do something. Whose opinion are you going to follow? The moment your yes becomes yes and your no becomes no and you flip this thing where you decide, God, who you are, what you are, and my connection to you is what where my heart is. Just like that. It doesn't take long. Why? Because the grace of God is what gets you there. It's not by your works. Amen. Come on, you hear people say things like, well, you know, mama should have gotten that healing because, you know, uh, she deserved it the most. It's not about what you deserve. It's not about what you do. It's about who you are. And the last verse before we minister to a few people to end our first night is found over in Matthew 6, 6. It says in the Message Bible, here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simple and as honest as you can imagine. Now listen, it's not easy to be there simple and honest. Why? There's nothing about the world where we're simple and honest. We're role playing all the time. We're role playing all the time. I've said this to you before, but I'll say it real quick as we're closing. You know, a couple years ago, we went to our last teacher, parent-teacher conference with Chloe, my youngest. We sat in there, and it was a male teacher. And he said, well, Mr. and Mrs. Hockaday, thank you for coming. I want to talk to you about Chloe, your daughter. I said, all right. We, yes, what do you have to say? And he said, well, I just want to tell you that if there were more students like Chloe, we'd have a better school. And I said, well, that is so nice. We heard that all my life with Drew. And heard that with, with Allie. They all did real well. I said, that is so nice. I said, why do you say something like that? And he said, well, Chloe's real sharp and she usually gets her work done before everyone else when she's in school. And I said, she'll just on her own go around to the rest of the classmates and ask if anyone needs help. And when he said the word help, my wife's foot reached over and touched my foot. It was under the desk so he couldn't see. And when she touched my foot, she was saying something to me without actually saying it verbally. I understood every word. Every word that she said was, did, did he just say that Chloe helped? <laughs> and so outwardly, because of what she said when she touched my foot, I said, did you use the word help? 
And he said, well, yes. Yes, I did. I said, well, that's awesome. Is there anything else? He said, well, yes. He said, when class is over, he said, she just made a thing of coming up to the front and cleaning up all on her own. Now my wife pushed really hard against my foot, and I had to brace my foot because otherwise she was going to push it back. And there was a lot of pressure there against her foot and my foot because what she was saying is, oh, my God, he said, Chloe cleaned. So I said outwardly, I said, did you use the word clean? And he said, yes, I did. And my next statement was, I want to meet her. (laughs) Role play. When she got home after we did tell her how how thrilled we were and proud of her we were, I did mention to her that night, uh, when your mother gets through with the dinner, you can help her clean. Be there what? Simply and honestly as you can. You can't go to God and and, and quote scriptures. He knows them all. He ain't impressed. You go to God and you talk to Him just like you talk. You get real brutally honest. Why do you think He loves a contrite heart? Because there's nothing left in that heart to get in the way. It says the focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense His grace. Come on. Let's shift the focus from you to God. Wow, He is real. Hmm, He is real. Throat condition. Who in here has been having some throat conditions? God wants to heal you. Sir, right there. Anyone else? Hallelujah. Yes? Amen. Come on up. God will just touch you. Lickety split. Someone in the back there? Come on up. I see a little stirring around. No? All right. If that's you, throat conditions, you come on up. Let God touch you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Someone been, been getting up in the morning, and instead of it being the sun will come out tomorrow, bet your bottom dollar. Okay, instead of feeling like the sun came out, when you get up in the morning, it feels like there's a cloud. It feels like... It's, it's not good. It feels, it feels heavy. It feels like there's pressure. There's, there's stress. And it feels like it's a little bit dark. I'm not talking about necessarily a cult or something like that. But it just doesn't feel right. And you feel oppressed is a way to say it. If that's you, come on up here. And if that's you, please come on up here. Because we'll get rid of that. Amen. You'll wake up tomorrow and the sun will come out. Amen. Amen. You stand over on that side. Hallelujah. The cloud's over there and the throat's over here. Come on, is there anybody else? You need to make your way up here. Now, in that other meeting, that guy that left the church, he was a little bit mad because we were having fun during the ministry time. Maybe he grew up thinking you're supposed to be serious during the ministry time. The more serious you are, the better. No, the more fun you have, the better it works. The more you take away people's stress to receive from God. Why? Because God made us like sponges. My goodness, if you were out in a rainstorm as a sponge, you wouldn't stress about receiving the water. You'd just get it. So the more you can relax people and enjoy yourself in in any type of, of ministry line I've ever been in, the better the line goes. The more serious you... God's not serious like we are. He is, but He isn't. I mean, he's not gonna, you know, he's not gonna have a long face on. What happens if the first thing that happens when you meet him, he laughs? Are you gonna be disappointed?
Does he didn't look old and mean? And can you laugh with him if he laughs? Can you rejoice with him if he rejoices? Praise the Lord. So we're going to have a good time if anybody else needs to come up. Amen. Brother, you ready for all that junk to leave? Hallelujah. It'll just leave it right in the name. Praise the Lord. That's it right there. Praise God. Take that. Hallelujah. Just God's presence into your body. Praise the Lord. Amen. That's good right there. No more of that. No more. You ready for this? Jesus. Hallelujah. Take that. Praise the Lord. You just got stuff that needs to leave. Is it okay if if to the top of your head I go like this in the name of Jesus? That other guy didn't like that, but I'm going to do it anyhow because he's not here. Amen. Thank you, Lord. This will all disappear. Well, Jesus' name, right now. Mm. You ready for that to leave you? Yeah, blood pressure. Blood pressure. Your blood pressure. It does? It's back there. Put your hands on my hands. What's the possibility it can all leave right now? Isn't that why you came? Yes, exactly. God's kind of sneaky. While we're talking about it, he's actually setting you free. You need to put your hand back there and check where you were just a moment ago. What's going on? Put your hand in my hand. What's happening back there? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I'm going to let you try that one more time, okay? (coughs) Put your hand back there and check and see what the Lord's doing because something's happening while we're talking. Hallelujah. 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 Isn't that wonderful? (laughs) 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 (laughs)
and put that anointing in her. Amen. You go ahead and just touch in the wonderful name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Hmm. Hallelujah. Come on, just close your eyes and lift your hands for just a moment. Let's just see what the Holy Ghost is saying in here. Oh, say, Levia famoso no de quesia. Thank you. We'll get to him in a second here. Thank you, Lord. All right, for, for men, is there anyone here, <clears throat> any type of prostate area you need, uh, you need to be ministered to there as far as the prostate is concerned? God wants to touch you right now. Hallelujah. If that's you, come on. In fact, in fact, come up here quickly. God wants to touch you. Yeah. Nothing like have, it, have your body just respond instantly. We'll be right with you, sir. Sir, in the name of the Lord Jesus, in the name of Jesus, take that right there. Freed tonight by His grace, by His love. Take this right. Jesus' name. Be free. Hallelujah. In the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. What is it you need, brother? I fell 25 feet on November 17, 2012 and broke my back. You broke your back? I got two bulging discs. Two bulging discs, so you can definitely feel them, can't you? Amen. Amen. What if God went ahead and grabbed a hold of them? Don't you think it would feel different? Yes, sir. Praise God. Wow. Amen. Amen. Man, I was going to smack you in the back, but God went ahead and healed you before I did. I'm really glad that he did, too. Wow. Which ones were they again? It was number L4 and L5. Wow. Amen. Maybe L4 and L5, or did you say L5 and L7? It really kind of doesn't matter which one it was. When God gets a hold of them, they're all good, aren't they? That's right. <laughs> oh, oh, brother, I tell you what, right now you bend over, and you, you can grab a hold of this pen right there on the ground, and without any problem at all. Wow. wow. Go do that again. Go do that again. Go do that again. Come on. What just happened, my friend? Yes, sir. Huh? Do you think you can do anything? Yes. Yes, you can. You can You can pick something up. I mean, where's your wife? You got a wife? She's with the children. Oh, okay. Amen. Amen. I was going to have you go pick her up. Praise the Lord. <laughs> you can wait till you get home to do that. That's right. Is that okay? Yes, sir. Amen. You can do anything now. Amen. Amen. I mean, you pick up, you can grab this. This is, this is, this is a, this, this is something that they, they thought would never fly away if there was a tornado. You could pick that up right now. You pick that up. Just the simplest thing in the world. What about your back? What about, what about your back? Yeah. Do it this way? Yeah. When's the last time it was that easy? A long time. Oh, isn't that good? Come on, lift your hands and give him praise. Amen. Thank the Lord. Amen. That's awesome. Hallelujah. Will you do it with me one more time? Because we got five more minutes before we have to be out of the building before they shut off the electricity. Will you just close your eyes, lift your hands? Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Ha, 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 sike, opopone, se, fafase, dobromo, sen, abase, si, 
Vovre ne sifiri bu opre metifiana boşu parayetere be kedrorra majine ne gevo soprastecete. And so there are some of you tonight who have listened to what has been said and heard the intent of God's heart. Who have said within your own heart, Lord God, I want that. That's the life for me. Experiencing the realness of who you are. And in your heart, you've opened up already to the Lord and you've said that. You vocalize something along those lines and the Lord's speaking to your heart and saying, and thus it shall be even before you get into your car, when you get into your car and even before you get home, the presence of the Lord shall become real to you. The voice of the God shall speak into your heart and the things of God from this moment will begin to enlighten. Isn't that what the Apostle Paul said when he prayed that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened? And thus it shall be said about you even from this night. Your walk with the Lord shall take, as it were, even a 90-degree turn, and you'll find yourself smack dab in the presence of God where things work and the prayers work and answers come. And the, the, the light of your heart shall take place. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. In the manner, fedi, obono, a papase, elombre in the daily, a fan of Roshte, nirvana, nirvanibeste, frobadetche, fromodoshte, pramadai. And there are ministers here tonight, and even as you are introduced, the Spirit of the Lord begins to speak to your heart and says unto your heart, Stay open and let your mind be alive unto me. For my spirit comes upon you tonight and you'll not stand in the next pulpit that you stand in without the presence of the Lord not only coming upon you but beginning to move upon your people and you'll see a healing to the right and a healing to the left and a healing right in front of you. And the words of God will begin to come out of your heart and out of your belly and it'll seem like fire is coming out of your mouth and it'll seem like arrows are piercing the hearts of the people and they'll literally say to you, you've like You've turned into another person. For God is putting his flames of fire back on his ministers today that are open in their hearts, open in their minds to God being front and center. And Father, we don't do so, all of us, consecrate ourselves unto this purpose, that you are front and you are center. And we will walk in this place of the Spirit. We will taste of the goodness of these ages to come. And we will begin, Lord God, to move in our relationship with you into places that we've only dreamed upon. This is the day. This is the time. This is the hour. Mark it on your calendar. My Spirit is moving. And if you'll move with me, you'll begin to experience these things as though they were normal, as though they were every day things that you participate in. You'll no longer look at them as supernatural. You'll just look at them as natural. Wow. Thank you, Lord. 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 Hallelujah. 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 And there's someone here. There's, there's, a, there's a grief upon your heart for a loved one. And I say unto you that by the Spirit of the Lord, the presence of God goes to that individual and you call them up when you get out of this, uh, this, uh, out of this service and you see but that God has already begun to move upon their life and if it was physical, you begin to see that God's already touched and healed their body. Lay your care aside. Be not overweighed with grief and concern. But let the Lord have them. 
turn him loose to do what he does best in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, thank you. And so even this, this place, Destiny Church, shall begin to see an increase and it shall begin to abound which simply means not a little here, not a little there. It will become normal and it will become regular. To hear the testimonies that are already coming in begin to increase. For the pathway that you are on is the right pathway. And the Spirit of God is now ministering through those who sit in these services. And you'll begin to see an increase in the testimonies, in the quality of the testimonies, and of the joy of the Lord which shall begin to hit your congregation and those will begin to laugh to the right, to the left, in the middle and they'll begin to rejoice in the things of God and it'll be at times so that you can't minister. You're standing in the glory of God. It'll be at times so that you'll just begin to raise your hands and praise the Lord and continue to sing and rejoice and laugh and enjoy the presence of the Lord for I am calling you up to begin to experience me as you should know me. I know you and you know me, even as Jesus said, I know the Father even as the Father knows me. So let it be said of all of us here tonight, in Jesus' name, amen, Pastor.